Welcome to Ars Equi, the podcast on all things law and technology. I'm Tima. I'm Paul. And on this episode, the Facebook data breach. Welcome to another episode of Ars Equi. We decided to make a bit of an intermission in our normal program uh, and talk about the Facebook data breach that has happened uh, in the last couple of days uh, because this is really interesting, uh, really important, and we wanted to let you guys know uh, all about it. It feels like it's every day is another Facebook breach, right? So it's like another mm. day, another Facebook breach. And here we are talking about something that I feel like we've been talking about so many times before. It's like deja vu almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you kind of get used to it, to your data being out there. But um, this is really scary uh, what has happened uh, over the last couple of days, right? Right. So in case you don't know yet, um, on the 3rd of April, Saturday, Facebook suffered a very large scale user data breach. Um, according to Bloomberg, personal data of at least 533 million Facebook users has been leaked and is now essentially available. So the good news in all of this is that there aren't any passwords or um, credit card information or, you know, personal emails or personal chats or whatever um, in this uh, database. Uh, but there is uh, names of people, there's email addresses, and there is um, phone numbers. Locations. That's what I read. I oh. read that locations are also a problem. Yeah, so um, it is uh, a lot of data that is out there and um, large amounts of it as well. Yeah, so like the question is, how did all of this happen and how are we finding ourselves in this position again mm -hmm. with Facebook? Right. So what was the timeline leading up to this most recent um, breach? So what Facebook is saying that this isn't really new data that is being released right now, but that this is old data and it's now just become publicly available and available for free. So this data was supposedly collected in 2018 and 2019, um, but not, and Facebook is very keen on, on emphasizing this, uh, not through a hack in their databases, but through scraping. Right. So essentially, this concept of scraping was something that was new to me. And mm. I had I did a lot of research. I went down a long Reddit rabbit hole looking into <laughs> scraping. But basically what scraping is, is essentially like hackers or malicious actors are able to collect information from user profiles or from public websites. Right. And then they're able to code bots or even... You can purchase tools online, like there's something called an ultimate Facebook scraper mm. that allows you um, to scout huge variety of sites or user profiles and then monitor them 24-7 and essentially capture as much data as you can mm. from these sites. Yeah, and in, in this case, they used this find your friends uh, feature on Facebook, which allowed you to upload your contact list with all the phone numbers of your friends. And Facebook will tell you, hey, these of your friends are on Facebook and go connect with them. Mm -hmm. And what uh, these hackers now did was they just uploaded every phone number uh, and like, hey, these are my friends, which of them are on Facebook? And Facebook just gave them their, uh, based on the phone number, their names uh, and Facebook IDs and also confirmed that yes, these phone numbers are valid and these phone numbers belong to Facebook users. 
So now it's easy to connect some a person with their Facebook name or bio, with their phone number or their email address and kind of create some sort of profile of a specific individual and you know who their friends are and the friends numbers and so on and so forth. Yeah, so um, Facebook says this has been patched uh, some time ago. Um, so this is no longer possible. Um, but the data is out there and... And has been for quite some time. Right. And I think what's problematic is that now that it's all unraveling and everyone's finding out, it's so interesting to note that a lot of people are saying that they maybe deleted their Facebook accounts, I don't know, back in 2015 or something or yeah. earlier, but their information is still has still been compromised by this breach. Yeah, so there's two explanations for this, really. Now, data breaches are quite, uh, they, they change quite often and you can't really pinpoint the source very well and it gets combined and data gets redistributed and, and combined with other data sets. So you don't really know like this data breach right now, like the data we're seeing, like where exactly did this come from and when was the point uh, when this data was scraped. Um, so it might be an old data breach and, and this gets combined with, with the current one. And so this is why old phone numbers are there. Or Facebook is storing like data of former users mm. uh, that have since deleted the profile. So they're not, um, they're not respecting your right to be forgotten when you delete your account on any platform. What your right is, is that all that data should be scrubbed, right? Yeah. And it should be as though you were forgotten, as, mm -hmm. as though you were never there, as though you never used Facebook. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, yeah. So this is also something very strange in connection to, to this breach that we've just found out. Yeah, also interestingly in connection to that is that a lot of people are saying, I've never had a Facebook account. Mm -hmm. So why is it that my phone number or my email address is now also compromised mm -hmm. in this breach? And does that obviously connect with the fact that this had to do with people's contact lists? So if you were not a Facebook user, but still on someone's contact list, you could be implicated in because this. Because your number got uploaded by one of your friends. And there's not much you can do about that. Right. So um, one important question that you might ask yourself is, are you affected right now? And we also ask ourselves that, and it turns out that yes. Uh, we both are affected and both our phone numbers are in, in the data breach. So if you want to call us, <laughs> <laughs> please don't call us. But yeah, if you want to check, like we did, we use this um, website called Have I Been Puned? Is mm -hmm. that how you say it? We'll put the link in the in the show notes at the bottom. But basically, if you use that website, you can type in your email address or your phone number and you can see if you have been implicated in this data breach or any other data breach from years ago even yeah so this is a great tool and and for example firefox uh, has integrated into the browser um if if and they, they regularly check if your email address has been in a um uh, in a hack and warn you about it and so you might change your password or might watch out for it yeah i think what's interesting is i checked myself and then i was shook like oh my gosh because i don't know like often you hear about data breaches and it feels like for us, it's something that we'll talk about, of course, because mm -hmm. this is what we do for our job. Mm -hmm. And we'll think about it and there'll be conversation. But you never really feel like it is going to affect you. Mm. And now that it has, I feel really like I was mad yesterday. I feel <laughs> I feel personally attacked by <laughs> yeah. this. I mean, you're, you're affected personally all of a yeah. sudden. I check my mom, my sister, everyone is involved. Yeah, this is, this is bad. So what can we expect now? Like what is going to happen to us? Well, 
basically what will probably happen is you might start getting um, a high volume of spam emails, um, calls, text messages, random links and Mm. things like that being sent to you. And if you click those links or you accept those calls, then you might be implicated in something else. Yeah. So uh, obviously people could just like, you know, call every number. There's not that many numbers. Like you can just iterate Mm. and, and like guess random numbers. Um, but what the issue with this data breach is that A, that people now know that this number is, exists and is valid, and they also know your name connected to it. And your friends and, and family yeah. connected to that number, perhaps. So um, you there now is the possibility, you know, how people always tell you to watch out for in spam mails is if they address you by name or not. Mm. Um, because if, if it doesn't say your name, then it's probably not, you know, your bank sending you this email. Mm. Uh, but now they have this connection between your email address or your phone number um, and your name and they can address you. Yeah. If they call you also, they have your at least some information about you. Exactly. So the spam email might not look as spammy as it usually yes. would prior. It, it's get, uh, getting harder to detect. Yeah, I read um, online that there was a person who got a phone call like a day ago and they were basically saying that they got this phone call and someone was saying oh a specific family member they knew that person by name because obviously they they have all this information so they knew the family member by name and they were like this family member has been in a car accident you have to wire money and the person thought like that's so strange so they quickly hung up and they phoned the family member that in question and found out that none of it was true so it's it's getting really scary and this information is out there so so it's time to kind of think about how you protect yourself and what do you do if you've been compromised. Yeah, and I mean, there's not really much you can do at this point because the data is out there and you can't really take it back. And also from a legal point of view, you can't really con- control who has this this information and, and who is calling you because this is illegal anyway. So like they're not going to be, uh, you know, interested in the GDPR. Exactly. So so you can only do basic things and it sucks to give such low level mm. advice. But basically what you can do is, I mean, change your um, passwords, change, use a password management service mm. or, you know, things like that. I mean, don't use the same password for different websites mm. like this. Yeah. Uh, and especially because passwords weren't affected by this breach right here. Um, but people might use your email address that they know is valid and you use to sign up for things uh, and use it either on Facebook or on other websites and just guess random passwords or mm. just guess the most, you know, 100 most popular passwords uh, and might get in. So um, if you're using a bad password, like password123 or whatever. Or your surname 1990, whatever your <laughs> date of birth is. <laughs> right, right. Um, then it's time to change these. Yeah. And also something else that you could do if your phone number was implicated and not your email address is you could um, install kind of a spam blocker that will filter spam calls or ID checks or things like that on your phone. I I read that a really good one is called Should I Answer? Mm -hmm. So basically it blocks spam calls before they even get on, before Mm -hmm. they're even Mm -hmm. able to call you. So that might be a good option. But like we said, you know, these options are just kind of options that you have in reaction to what's happened there's nothing you can do to kind of take it back because we have willingly and maybe unknowingly given up so much of our personal information to these companies and the way i see it they don't value the fact that we have trusted them with Mm -hmm. our location Mm -hmm. our date of birth our 
credit card number, all of these things. Like I don't feel like the level of trust between us and a lot of these technology companies is maintained or respected by them. And that's problematic. Yeah, yeah. So what can you do to prevent this in the future um, th- that your data gets leaked? Uh, so on the one hand, you could just you know stop using the internet altogether and like n- not provide any information. Um, because once you give it out, then you don't really have control and you can't take it back anymore. Yeah. It's in the responsibility of the platform, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, one interesting service that I found was, um, it's, it's called Firefox Relay, which is by the browser company. Um, and they are essentially generating random uh, unique email addresses for you for every service you sign up. So for example, if you sign up on Facebook, you can use a, a separate email address. It gets forwarded to your normal email address. Mm. Uh, but once, for example, it's been breached or you notice that it's been leaked to, to spammers, you can just turn it off and uh, the, the email address vanishes and you're not getting any emails anymore. And then you'll generate a new one. Exactly. You can just generate an infinite amount. So you never actually have to use your legitimate email address unless you're interacting directly with someone you know for sure is legitimate. Exactly. That's really good. I mean, I know that a lot of banking mm-hmm. companies do that like i use this bank and it's a fintech company called revolut and they do this something similar but with credit cards so they generate every time you want to go online shopping kind of a random uh credit card number for you and it's linked to your actual account mm-hmm. but it's not your actual credit card number so every time you use it it generates a new one mm-hmm. so you never are in the position where your card could get hacked or something like that or your money could get stolen because you're using your credit card online also general it security tips apply here as in the prevention of of um attacks so don't reuse the passwords um use complicated passwords use a password manager and so on yeah so like like we said you know there's not much you can do Mm -hmm. it's happened now so once you get over the initial shock it's really just time to look into your password management system, change your passwords. If you have an email address that's been compromised a few times, because I was checking some of my friends yesterday and I have a friend whose email has been compromised like a bunch of times. So Mm. I told her, look, just let that email address go. Just let it go. <laughs> I mean, that's also the great thing about email addresses, right? You can just, you know, it's it's not really a thing you, you're attached to. Exactly. Uh, unlike phone numbers, because changing a phone number is mm. a lot of effort. Mm. Because you have to give it to all your people. Con- might contact you and it's been it's used to identify you in a lot of different services. Exactly. So the phone number is very difficult, but an email address you can easily part ways right. with. So if, if that's the option, then you can try to do that. Yeah. So uh, how has Facebook reacted to all of this? Uh, this? Because the way we found out about this leak was because it was posted publicly online and, and newspapers published uh, and wrote about it. So, uh, but we haven't really heard anything from Facebook for a long time, right? Right. So, I mean, so when it was happening in real time and when Mm -hmm. all of this stuff was coming out online, Facebook spokesperson responded on Twitter basically saying, 
oh no, this is old data and we already kind of sorted this out back in 2019, so nothing to worry about. And then um, later on, Facebook released a blog post where they basically said the same thing mm. and explained like, no, this wasn't due to a hack. This was due to scraping that happened and we figured it out in 2019 and we sorted it out. Mm. So it's not that big of a deal. So their response, which is a response that's actually like making me upset, mm. is it's not that big of a deal. It's old data. And this concept of old data, what is what is old data? My phone number is the same phone number I've had for years. That's right. not old data. Right. Uh, and also they really try to emphasize the difference between hacking and scraping, which in the end, it doesn't really matter. Like it's your phone number, it's your email address, it's your name that's out there. Exactly. Um, and like the method, how they got it is is irrelevant. Exactly. And I mean, they try to make this distinction between our systems were not hacked, mm. rather things were scraped from our from uh, users' profiles. Mm. But it's like the the scraping was due to a feature that Facebook had mm. right and that feature was compromised so if you look at it that way your system was compromised yeah like it didn't work like it should so like and data got leaked so exactly that's so it, yeah stop trying to say oh there was no hack because the way we all feel we all feel like we were hacked so it doesn't make a difference in in the outcome except for at least we know that our more sensitive information even wasn't in there Yes. I mean, lucky for us, we know passwords and things like that were not compromised. But the thing, the things that were compromised are still important. And I think Facebook res response is quite like, oh, it's not that serious. Mm. It's not that deep. The media is kind of blowing it out of proportion. That's the vibe that I get mm. from their statements. You know, they're trying to downplay the severity of this without really acknowledging there was no apology in mm. that blog post. And I think that's problematic because I think it's getting to a point now where we're all looking at Facebook and saying, listen, guys, it's getting too much. Mm. Every other year, there's an issue with your systems and you guys have to care more about this because it's starting to really affect people's lives. Yeah, and also looking at the legal side of all of this, because this is at least somewhat a law podcast, um, the GDPR says that you have to have a certain level of IT standard and if you don't, or IT security, and if you don't reach this level, um, you can be fined. Exactly. Um, plus also, and this is the even more interesting case here, Facebook has an obligation to inform the Data Protection Authority and in certain cases the user about the data breach. And exactly. And they this didn't isn't do what that. Happened. And um, I read Facebook's response to that. You know, why mm. did you guys not inform um, supervising authorities about this? And they said, oh, no, this scraping thing happened prior to the GDPR. Mm. So we weren't under an obligation to inform anybody. Yeah, which on the one hand now seems to be like not the case because the the, the, the security problem has been patched in, in late 2019. Exactly. So after the GDPR went into effect. And also this is a bit shady, right? Like we didn't tell anyone we wanted to keep it secret because we didn't have to isn't really a good argument. It's not a good argument. And for me, it's like, who is, who's doing Facebook's PR because they're <laughs> slacking? That was such a bad argument to say, oh, no, we didn't really have to, so we didn't, but we sorted it out. Mm. So it's kind of like you identified a problem. You saw it was such a big issue that you had to fix the, this feature and, and get rid of it, but you didn't think it was serious enough to let anybody know, yeah. which is massively problematic. And I think it goes to show kind of the 
value of the GDPR because if there's no obligation on these platforms to do certain things, this is evidence to show that they just simply won't do it if they mm. simply don't have to. Yeah, right. So regulation, at least in, in theory, works here. So um, the Irish Data Protection Commission, which is the competent authority in the EU, is looking into the case. So they are investigating and they even haven't noticed about this. They found out from the media. Yeah. Um, so um, there is a fine in a the... Um, the, the IT security standard and violation of the IT security standard and also in not reporting the breach, which in the case of Facebook could be a fine up to 4 billion US dollars. So this is quite a large fine that they are facing at the moment. Yeah, and I think what's also interesting is that the Data Protection Authority had to reach out to Facebook mm. after hearing about this like the rest of us did online. Right. And I think it's interesting that Facebook didn't feel compelled to kind of do some damage control and reach out to the their relevant authorities and let them know, listen, we're aware of this, this is the reasoning. Mm. Like the authority had to take the step and reach out to Facebook and say, Hey guys, what's going on? And then they replied, "Oh no, we this was pre GDPR, so we didn't really have to tell mm. you." It's all just very, very shocking to me. Or maybe I shouldn't be shocked, but I, <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what can we do? Like we we talked about the the data protection authorities, but what can we as individuals, as customers, do? This is where it gets tricky because it's not like Facebook is a shop that we can all boycott. Mm. You know, it's not like we can stop spending our money on Facebook because we don't. <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of like short of deleting all the applications and all of that, like short of that, I'm not, I don't really see what massive of an impact we could have because the outcries continue to happen mm. you know these things happen the users kind of let facebook know that we're not okay with this facebook does a little change here and there maybe they update their terms and conditions or their privacy policy a little and then the next year we deal with it again mm. that's what it looks like to me also you can't i mean it's hard to quit facebook because it's not just facebook right. um, the main platform but it's also instagram it's also whatsapp mm -hmm. so there is a lot connected to this and it's it's a really a hard step for someone to say hey i'm, I'm not use them, stop using these platforms altogether. exactly and we know that a lot of people are making their money mm, on right. instagram and are using facebook for business purposes are using whatsapp for business purposes so it's kind of like do we tell people now you know change your entire business model like how do influencers influence if they're, <laughs> if they're not on platforms? So it's a difficult thing, but it's at some stage we have to figure out how do we hold these massive platforms accountable because they don't seem to really be taking our privacy and the protection of our personal data seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's also the legal way to hold Facebook accountable. There is uh, the rule in the GDPR that they are liable for damages suffered by illegal data processing right. and and the data breach would fall under this um the issue with this is that a you had to sue facebook probably and there is some discussion about what actually con uh, what actually are damages that are suffered um by a data breach so um there's some german case law on this where they say just the uh, data breach as it is doesn't really um isn't grounds for for um uh, damages but rather if you for example receive a lot of spam calls or you are affected in another way then this might be um then you might be entitled to damages 
Yeah, and again, a, a big task to put on the shoulder of the user to have to take a massive corporation right. to court and, you know, deal with all of that. And, you know, for us, it's like, oh, 500 yeah. 500 million. Exactly. Of them. It's like, it, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to figure out what to do with these with these data breaches and how we should deal with these platforms that don't seem to care. Mm. And also, this is a competition question as well, because if, um, as as we've said, with um, so many social media platforms and, and communication platforms, Facebook has maybe not a monopoly, but a very dominant market position. Definitely. Um, this also has to come with some regulation. Yeah, so I mean, I guess we have a lot of open questions and maybe you guys can let us know what you think in the comments or um, message us mm -hmm. what you think about what we should do about Facebook going forward. I mean, definitely I'm deleting my Facebook account. I mean, I have deleted my Facebook account, but it, like uh, a while ago. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't help in this case. I've yeah. never, I just don't use it, but I've just never deleted it. And now I'm like, okay, it's time. <laughs> it's time, so... Facebook is gone, but the question is like, okay, cool, but it's already, the information is already mm. there. So like we said, there's not much you can do. I mean, we've given the options, but yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. And I think as users of these platforms, we really have to start thinking about what we want out of this and how we can hold them accountable and how we can make sure that their shareholders care. Because I think that's also something that's mm. interesting. Like if you look at share prices, share price, well, Facebook share price after the Cambridge Analytica scandal, mm. it was down for a little bit, but then, you know, it went back up. So the question is, I don't think shareholders also understand or also see the value mm. in data protection. It kind of feels like it's a little bit of an, a nuisance. Yeah. And I mean, if there's no economic consequences to it, right. then they won't care. Yeah. And it's like, how many more fines are we going to impose before we realize that perhaps maybe fines are not creating enough of an incentive. Mm. Yeah. So um, thank you for listening to this episode of the RCQ podcast. Uh, we will be back in two weeks with another episode on the Tech for Good series. So we will continue with the normal series. Uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks. Bye. Our Zikvi is hosted by Timon Wana and me, Paul Ibastola. We are brought to you by the Department of Innovation and Digitalization in Law at the University of Vienna. Thank you for listening and see you next.